to the Louis Bellina show Thursday. I love Thursday. Why? You got the Bellucci hour. Billy Lucci for an entire hour each and every Thursday, one till two, thanks to Dos Equis. So any day I get to hang out with Billy is a good day, but an entire hour of the Luch? Yes, please. Also, A&M soccer head coach G. Guerreri will join us. I've known G for as long as I've been doing sports. I'm a big fan of his. That'll be 12.35. G will be inside the Charles Schwab studio. And then here in hour number one at 11.35, Braden Gall of 440 Sports and ESPN Radio will take a look at the top games of the upcoming college football weekend. And Braden Gall is an individual thinker. He doesn't have to follow the masses. He can think for himself. He's fun to talk to. So Braden Gall will join us on the Smoothie King Hotline, 11.35. That right there, I'm like, that's the most genius Louis Bellina show ever, but there's more. We're going to do a listen-in. Nick Saban yesterday had his weekly media press conference. What did Coach Saban have to say about the A&M matchup? And I will take your text messages till 2 o'clock. You could text me, you could text Billy, you could text Coach G, you can text Braden Gall. My text message m- number is 979-693-1150. 979-693-1150. Questions, comments, and or opinions. Light it up. What? Light up the Texas Mobile One Loop Express inbox, because that's where I see all your text messages. Light it up now at 979-693-1150. Thursdays, we've started to begin things by taking a national look at the AM game for the upcoming weekend. Who picked who? This won't surprise you. Not one single person has picked AM to beat Alabama. 247 Sports has it 3110. Bama, 21-point win, A&M would cover. And 247's other guy has 41-10 Alabama. That's a 31-point W. The Tide would cover on that one. Pete Fatuiak of College Football News has Bama 38, Texas A&M 16. Aggies would cover. The line, by the way, if you're wondering, cover, not cover. The line currently is 24. Opened at 21 and a half. Popped up quickly 23 and a half. Sits now 24. The Bleacher Report. Alabama 42, Texas A&M 24. Aggies cover. Yes, I'm going for any victory I can get out of this. Aggies covering is some form of victory. Bill Bender of the Sporting News. Alabama wins 42-19. Alabama does not cover. Bill Conley, ESPN, using his SP SP Plus rankings, says that Alabama has an 87% chance of winning. You're telling me they have a 13% chance of losing? I'm telling you they have a 13% chance of losing. The final score... According to Bill Conley's numbers, metrics, computer formulas, 35-16, Bama, Aggies cover. 
CBS Sports, Barrett Salee. I don't know if he's ever picked AM to win a game. He doesn't start here. He takes Bama to win. He lays the points. Finally, the Dallas Morning News. They have nine people on their college football panel. All nine picked Alabama to win. Two picked AM to cover. That's just the reality of where everything sits now. AM is at its lowest point of the season. You thought losing App State was the low point. Let me ask you, which is lower, the post-App State loss or now? I actually think it's now because after App State, you had this chance to get healthy. You went out and you beat number 10 Arkansas, number 13 Miami. You thought the ship had been righted. You thought, I don't know if you thought Anna was a national championship team, but you thought you had found your way. You had redeemed that App State loss. And you faceplant against Mississippi State. You know, before the game, I texted, just win. Don't care if it's 3-2. Don't care how. It's embarrassing to lose to the Mississippi schools. A&M, even before Jimbo became the head coach, had probably expected as a program to be so far removed from the Mississippi programs. Forget year five of Jimbo, just as a program. The Mississippi schools, they're the bottom of the mid. They're not the bottom feeders. Even though if you're ranking the West, traditionally, it's pretty much Ole Miss and Mississippi State would probably be as programs, six and seven. They both happen to have really nice coaches that run really modern offenses, and they can score enough to be dangerous to anyone. But that's what makes this week probably feel lower than it should. As you thought, post-Staff State, two top 15 wins, that it was done. And then you imploded in all three phases of the game went backwards in every conceivable way. And now the reality, too, Anna's not going to win the national championship, not make the college football playoff, and not win the SEC West. Now, there's a lot of wins out there. The SEC is not scary this year. There's a lot to play for. Salvaging you know, enough wins for recruiting. Enough wins for respectability. There's a lot of W's out there still. Something I did want to, a thought or two. So A&M this week has been the focus of conversation, talking heads like Paul Feinbaum, articles, Dennis Dodd, CBS. I shared the ESPN one that had two writers work on it. But A&M, everybody has had an article or a take. A&M, it's their turn. I mean, after the start, they've had second straight year. A&M started sixth. Second straight year, it appears A&M will finish unranked. So you can understand why everybody has had an opinion. CBS, ESPN, Saturday Down South, you name it, has had an opinion of what's wrong and an opinion of how to fix it and a lot of different opinions out there. I will say I think it's created uh, a force that things are now kind of being overreacted to just to 
skosh when everyone does a story on this every way when again every day this week there's another underachieving you know you understand Jimbo's hot seat might be a great example CBS Sports re-updated their hot seat rankings, right? And I think they got it right, where Jimbo went from a zero into a three. And a three just means warming up, time to do something about it. That's it. That's all a three means. And they put Jimbo to three, and I think that's extremely fair. But others are talking about, you know, Jimbo could be fired by December. There's big oil guys saying, I got 95 mil. That, that's the extreme I'm talking about. I think it was Saturday down south, Adam Spencer, who said coaches on the hottest seats in the Power Five right now as Jimbo at five. If you think he's on the fifth hottest seat, he's that close to being fired, I, I have to disagree. Everything is being worse. Everything is being exaggerated. That's why this is the lowest week of them all. Things aren't good, and I'm not trying to sell you a bill of goods on that, but the pile-on effect, because everybody's piling on Aggie football right now. There has not been one day since Sunday that I haven't seen another Jimbo Fisher hot seat, Paul Feinbaum said, article, CBS, ESPN, SDS, of what's wrong. And the funny part, what's wrong is basic, fundamental, and easy. It's not rocket science of what's wrong. To fix what's wrong is 101 stuff. It's just a matter of it will happen or not. Now I have to take a time out, but I do have a text message. It's from Anonymous. I love the way you put down the Mississippi schools. I believe you're about 500 against them. So I, I, yeah. I read his other text messages. I love to know a person's history. I can't wait to see Saban run up the score on AM. That was Bush League not playing the game. So you're obviously not an AM football fan. You don't reveal who you do root for. And it could be anybody. But you're obviously you've taken a shot at AM every chance you've had. And then to your statement, I love the way you put down the Mississippi schools. I believe that you are about 500 against them. Not us, but you are. And the answer is no. A&M is sub 500 to uh, Mississippi State now. I believe it's Mississippi State 6 and 5. But what you don't get, that's the point. A&M should not be sub 500 to you know, Mississippi State. It's a sign of the program not growing, not advancing, not moving, and it's a sign of a problem. And everybody keeps talking about contending for the West. Everybody's so fixated on beating Alabama that I think a lot of people don't understand the principle that you have to beat Ole Miss and Mississippi State every year, guaranteed, not questioned, not in doubt, before you should worry about Alabama. People just want to jump to the finish line sometimes without doing the work required. But you got to, it's learning to win. And you got to beat the Mississippi schools like they're nothing before you get to fixate on Alabama for 12 months a year. 
A&M's not in that spot where Alabama's their focus. Standing between A&M and a national championship is not Alabama. There's about three or four things standing between A&M and a national championship, including the Mississippi schools. I got to take a timeout. I'll be right back. We're just getting started on a Thursday. This is the Louis Bolina Show presented by B&B Automotive and Superior Auto Service to Remarkable businesses, one amazing family. This is the Louis Bolina Show, live inside the Charles Schwab studio on a Thursday. The game plan still to come, 11.35, Braden Golf, 440 Sports, ESPN Radio. 12.35, a and soccer head coach, G. Guerreri. 105, the Bellucci Hour. Billy Lucci, the entire hour, thanks to Dos Equis, get a dose. That's all Still to come, text messages, please and thank you, 979-693-1150, 979-693-1150. You can line up the Texas Mobile One Lube Express inbox. Bullethead College Station said, hey, Lou, if we somehow, if it happens, Bullethead, we'll talk about it next week, as opposed to spending time now on you know, miracles. How's that? We'll have plenty of time. It's a bye week next week, Bullethead. We'll have tons of time if it comes true, okay? 979-693-1150. Does anybody remember the name Taylor Travis? Taylor Travis worked here at Bryan Broadcasting for a really long time. He did sports. Uh, WTAW heard him. He hosted for me on Fridays during the summer a lot, almost every Friday for a couple of summers. And uh, he did play-by-play stuff. He got a big-time radio gig down in South Carolina. Him and I keep in touch all the time. Currently, he's down in Houston, giving up the radio life because he wants to make real money. (laughs) He's a good dude. On Twitter, he wanted to make a point of how bad it is for AM right now. And without using opinions, without, you know, using the hyperbole, he just states facts. What facts? Here you go. Offensive plays per game, AM is last. Scoring offense, 108th. Rushing yards per game, 97th. And that's with A-Chain absolutely crushing it. And you're still 97th in yards per game. Rushing touchdowns, 97th. Y- uh, pass yards per game, 102. First downs, 101. Third down conversions, 95. And total offense, 105. And you sit there and go, I'm not surprised. We've watched this offense. We know the struggles. That's not a revelation. It doesn't get better when you look at the other side of the ball, which I think should still be. Remember all offseason when I was talking about the loss of Elko, who I thought was the top three DC, and the question was how far back they were going to drop off. Were they going to drop off from being like three to seven, 13, 20? And they're further back than that. Well, turnover margin, 98th. Interceptions, 116th. Turnovers forced versus FBS teams, 110. Sacks, 
113. Tackles for a loss, 111. Time of possession, 116. Rush defense, 97. And just to throw in special teams so they don't feel left out, they're 113th in field goals. Adams at 102 in red zone, too, in the country. So just using statistics and not I feel, I believe, I think, it paints the picture of how bad things have been. And it's both sides. It's both sides. Because for me, with the defense you have and the young guys in the front, D-line, if you were running a four-man front with all those five stars, what I believe would be different would be TFL, tackles for a loss. Because while they may make mistakes, if you cut them loose, if you let the big dogs eat, the, I believe playmakers make plays. And that's from their first game on. I don't think they spend a year not being a playmaker to learn how to be a playmaker. They just make less mistakes and less mistakes and less mistakes. But playmakers make plays, which is why in AM's D line, they could put four playmakers out there at all times. There will be mistakes and plays will be made. The problem is no plays are getting made because there's a three man front and they basically can double the two tackles and, you know, then it's up to the nose guy in a three-man and one of the linebackers will always be out of the play. It, it just doesn't work. We know this, but it it just doesn't work. Four-man front, I 100% believe that the TFL number would be... And from there, you'd be putting other people behind the chain. And from there, you would have more sacks. And from there, you'd get off the field more often. That's it. That's straightforward. One stat alone. So, yeah. that that We know the three... You know, to keep mentioning the three-man front, I don't know if it does any good anymore because... Other than Dirk and, and Jimbo, I don't know of anyone that believes in the three-man front. So for us to rip on it or criticize it continuously, it's almost unhealthy at this point. So Randy in Hearn sent me a text message. And Randy, I'm not picking on you because I know you, but your text message says the one thing no one is saying is that the team needs to come out with some attitude to start the game, be hyped up. Now, in my 30-something years of experience, every game ever ever won, the team was hyped up, and every game they lost, they didn't come out hyped up. It's one of those things that I've never heard anyone, the best hyped up ever, too bad we won. We lost, rather. So that that's a vague, kind of nebulous kind of statement. Nobody's talking about it. Because it's not a real thing. There have been times where it's noticeable when a team comes out flat, but it's not a consistent thing. It's not a consistent problem. They don't come out flat even in some of their losses. They come out, the other team seizes momentum early. They try hard to steal it back and can't. 
So the whole thing, you know, come out with some attitude to start the game. I mean, do you want them to go WWE and just break some chairs over some people, come off the top rope, kick someone in the nuts? I mean, what what attitude do you want? And, I mean, it, that's one of those, I want my coach to be more demonstrative and I I just kind of don't agree with that. Yes, they should come out every game hyped up. I don't think it's one of the problems they're having. I think a lot of these games, when you're, what was it, two games ago, when they went the entire first quarter, yeah, Arkansas, without a first down. That's what makes you go flat. That's what takes all the hype out of you. It wasn't, you know, at the hotel they woke up Saturday morning and went, I got no hype, man. I got no hype. Where did my hype go? It's starting a game four, three and outs in the first quarter. That will leave you hypeless. That's where the attitude. Meanwhile, the other team is getting first downs, scoring some touchdowns, looking good. Maybe you're a four down, you know, maybe you got recruited to come to A&M to be in a four down lineman front and you're being forced to play in a three. Maybe that makes you hypeless. I don't know. So the I just the attitude thing I don't buy into. Nine seven nine six nine three eleven fifty nine seven nine six nine three one one five zero. You can light up the the Texas Mobile One Lube Express inbox again. Questions, comments, opinions, and about anything. I know we're talking Aggie football, college football. You want to talk about the end of the MLB regular season? Astros with the second best record. Astros are going to win the World Series. Anything. 979-693-1150. We will return with Braden Gall of 440 Sports and ESPN Radio. This is the Louis Molina Show, presented by BB Automotive and Superior Auto Service. This is the Louis Bellina Show, Thursday edition. This is the Louis Bellina Show, brought to you, presented by BB Automotive and Superior Auto Services. As promised, we visit now, we go to Nashville, Tennessee, to hang out with Braden Golf, 440 Sports, and ESPN Radio. Braden, my brother, what's up in your world? Oh, man, just ready to go, ready to. Ready for another big weekend of college football? I can't wait. Can't it's going to be going to be very exciting. So can't wait. Give me your three takeaways from last weekend before we move forward, because you know I never want to jump too in depth because last weekend feels like ten months ago. But three takeaways for you. <laughs> it does. It does feel like ten ten months ago. Um, uh, that man, uh, Ole Miss's defense and running game might be better than we thought, but I'm not still not sure if that's good enough to to win a bunch of games they're the back half of their schedule is super um uh super backloaded kentucky's offensive line is a concern but that's still a really good football team uh alabama is probably number one in the nation due to georgia's last two performances and i am ready for the body to stop twitching and to attend a funeral on sunday around noon after brian harson's auburn tigers get destroyed by georgia this weekend did you think in any universe, what would be the Vegas odds that five D1 group of five coaches would be fired before Harson this year? Uh, it, it's funny you say that. Like, I think the, the Paul Chris move at Wisconsin is certainly very un Wisconsin like, and I think doesn't happen if they don't have a defensive coordinator that's extremely highly sought after and an alumni on the staff 
give him a chance to win the job. So I don't think that move happens normally. Agreed. But that's sort of a that, that one is sort of a unique beast. Um, Nebraska is no surprise. Colorado's no surprise. Herm Edwards in Arizona State, no surprise. Georgia Tech, no surprise. Like, did it happen faster than Auburn? Is that a bit of a surprise? Yeah, I think that's a fair part of that question. But if you said to me, you know, we're going to have four or five Power Five jobs open by by the halfway part of the season, I think in general that's an escalated calendar. But at the same time, the, the particular jobs, I mean, again, Herm Edwards is, was a giant dumpster fire. Carl Durrell never should have been hired in the first place. We knew Scott Frost was on the hot seat. I think Jeff Collins we knew was on the hot seat. I think you can literally you can start to track it, too. Like, this week it's going to be Auburn. I think Louisville, if they lose to, to Virginia, Scott Satterfield's gone, and I think Louisville comes open. I keep an eye on that one. A couple other ones that are maybe further down the list, you know, Stanford with David Shaw's getting stale, West Virginia, Neil Brown, although I think Neil Brown's a pretty good coach. So you can kind of see them. Like, you can kind of track them, and uh, – and, I, you know, again, in, in the world of fun conversations about college football, which is the world that I traffic in, uh, I, I enjoy every single week having a, a new job opening to discuss because I think, and we, we spend a lot of time on this on, the, on our, our national college podcast, college football podcast, where we just, I don't, and I've talked to a lot of coaches about this, I don't think we sort of know how to evaluate how, these, how good these jobs are moving forward because of the landscape. I think people expect you to be able to use new tools like NIL and the portal to win quicker. Kansas is good in two years. Like, that's unprecedented with Lance Leipold, who, of course, is a candidate for all of these jobs. I, I, I find it interesting, the comments that I'm getting off the record about the Pac-12 and, and the ACC's future stability versus the Big Ten and the SEC, and I, I think people are bullish on the Big 12, actually. So I think it's really – I just think the dynamics of the landscape are changing so rapidly – and that is affecting how we make decisions, both hirings and firings. I know that if we're going to start evaluating programs, and every year everybody does it, the top jobs, right? Top five, top ten. It's that we do it every offseason, let alone once the carousel starts. You have to know the NIL collective now. Yeah, I mean, of course. Like, there's no, there's no doubt. And so, again, like, a pro, and then there's this other, then there's this other angle that's a part of that NIL, which is, like part of the like, the reason Colorado is a terrible job right now, even though my childhood remembers Colorado being a really good job, like my childhood self remembers Georgia Tech being a really good job, and then they had a couple of pockets of success with like Calvin Johnson and you know Paul Johnson. Like, but Colorado and Georgia Tech are very interesting because they both won national championships in the same year in the early '90s and had really good runs of success in the '90s and have largely been sort of irrelevant for a number of for different different sorts of reasons and they have very different challenges but your point about nil with colorado like colorado doesn't care about football correct the people in charge the people in charge whether it's the athletic department whether it's the board of regents or the board of trustees or the boosters or whoever whoever you want to talk about they, they're just not invested in sports they're not invested in athletics they and- should not have a football program i'm not saying that for <laughs> radio effect there's no point in colorado having a football program well i Again, they won a national championship. But but you like, know it. They don't care. There's not one no, no, person no, involved in Colorado other than the athletic department that cares about Colorado football. And that may be that may be true. But the, the point I'm making is at least like Wisconsin clearly does care about football, and they're pouring. They're going to pour three hundred million dollars into some facility renovations, which is something Paul Chris has desperately wanted. Obviously, 
Jim Leonard's going to want that. But I, and I think you and I have talked about this, that the balance that's moving forward between facility spending and NIL spending is going to shift drastically because while you need a certain level of facility, like you need to have a certain standard that is like a really fun, awesome, cool, fun place to play and, and live if you're an athlete, but you don't need like the five-star spa and resort that the Ducks and, frankly, the Aggies and Clemson and Alabama, like you don't need the 300-foot waterfall anymore because it's about attracting talent when you can now just write them a check. And so if I'm a player and I'm looking at, sure, you've got an indoor, you know, you've got a water slide and a putt-putt course, that's really cool, but these other guys are going to pay me 50 grand and you're only going to pay me 15. Like that's a no-brainer decision for lots of people. So I think what's going to be interesting is the investment in facilities that 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 line item shifting to NIL investment, I think those are two very that those things are going to have to find some new equilibrium. And you're going to need to invest in facilities. You're always going to need to have a certain standard. But I think a lot of that money, the arms race, the the cranes, and the brick and mortar competition, I think that's sort of an old way of thinking. And I think NIL money is the new way of thinking. And if you've got enough to do both, then great. I mean, I would assume that's the same old names in college football, but. It, it is going to be interesting. Wisconsin and Nebraska should be able to leverage gigantic resources and fan base to attract talent because they don't have any players within six hours of their campuses, whereas Georgia Tech has an unbelievable amount of talent within six hours of its campus, but they don't necessarily care as much, and certainly there's academic issues once you get into school that affect it. But really it's about the ACC. It's about the future of the ACC and not knowing what that holds in 10 years do I think that affects this round of coaching hires? Probably not. But I do think it affects the Pac-12 because I think everyone I've talked to is viewing the Pac- like the Pac-12 is on life support. They're walking dead. If you're going to take, like, Oregon State and Washington State are the two that are the most concerning. But Stanford, for example, if you're Stanford and you've got a potential invite to the Big Ten coming, and that's going to happen, let's say, in the next couple of months or at any point, and all of a sudden Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal are in the Big Ten, then you go Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, get moved to the Big 12. Well, the Big 12 is now positioned pretty creatively to be the number three league in the, in the, in the country, number one, because of passionate football fan bases. But, like, if I'm Stanford, do, I, do we need to have a different approach? Because we're going into the Big 10, we're going to have a ton more money, we're going to have a lot more financial stability, but we have increased travel costs. We just have a new dynamic at play. And Wisconsin also is looking at the landscape and saying, wait a second, like USC and UCLA and Oregon and Washington could be coming into the the western half of this conference, let's call it. I'm all of a sudden going from the premier program in my half of the league to maybe the fourth or fifth best program in my league. We need to up our game right now. And frankly, I think Wisconsin should have done it 10 years ago when they were top 10 every single year. But Making a move like this, I think, is a sign to the fans that they are they want to play a bigger game and and they want to play some big boy ball. And you got to have a gangster athletic director to play big boy ball. And firing a guy who was born in Madison, played at Wisconsin, was a coordinator at Wisconsin, has been a head coach at Wisconsin, has won multiple divisions at Wisconsin. Firing that guy with you know what was nineteen million on his buyout, that's a big boy move by a new athletic director in Chris McIntosh. So. Uh, if you're a Wisconsin fan, I think people are kind of cautiously excited and optimistic about it, knowing what's coming in the Big Ten in terms of how complicated it's going to get here in the future. We're visiting with Braden Gull of 440 Sports, ESPN Radio. He joins us on the Smoothie King Hotline. Braden, games of the upcoming weekend. 
the game of the century this week, Tennessee at LSU. Yeah, this is awesome, man. Uh, good on good, strength on strength. LSU's defensive line, that front, um, Mike House, and, and, and I almost said Jimbo Fisher. Uh, Brian Kelly's ability on defense to sort of disguise and create havoc and, and confuse is really, really going to be important. Their secondary is not all that special. So Tennessee is going to have some opportunities to make plays down the field. Um, listen, they, they pressured Will Rogers in a big way down in Baton Rouge a couple of weeks ago. And they, they stopped him in the red zone, forced him to kick field goals, and I think that's how they won that game. And then eventually, of course, Jaden Daniels figures out by the fourth quarter how to play football and, and does something. I don't think you could do that against Tennessee because if you if you can't get like you can pressure Will Rogers a little bit easier with his lack of mobility than you can Hendon Hooker. And the key with, with Hendon Hooker, and I think we saw this last week with Robbie Ashford and Auburn, if you come off your man while the quarterback is scrambling He's going to kill you. Like Hendon Hooker will murder your secondary if you come if you cannot play disciplined football. So if they pressure him, great. But if he moves off his spot, if you're he's either going to pick up seven or eight yards rushing, or or if you come off your man, he's going to kill you over the top. So I, I just think Tennessee's playing with a ton of confidence. The 11 a.m. kickoff helps them a little bit. I think the bye week helps them a lot because coming off Florida would have been a prime emotional letdown situation. I think. As long as they're not looking ahead to Bama, which they shouldn't be, I, I just think this, this team is, is far better across the board. I like Tennessee to go down there and win, but if, it's all about pressuring the quarterback and then how do, the, how do the defensive backs react. On the other side of the ball, it's total chaos. I have no clue what to expect. Tennessee's defense is okay. It's average. Jaden Daniels, I have no clue what he's doing on any given play. <laughs> so LSU versus Tennessee on, on Tennessee's offense, good on good. On the other side of the ball, bad on bad. So could be, it should be a really That's good game. That's why it's a perfect matchup, by the way. Yep, exactly, exactly. Arkansas will go to Bleakville, Starkville, to take on Mississippi State and the Bulldogs. <laughs> yeah, Bleakville put a whipping on somebody last week um, no in, all three phases, in, in all three phases of the game. Uh, listen, if K.J. Jefferson plays, I like this to be a really high scoring. And again, unless I've, there's some news that I haven't seen in the last like two hours while I've been working. If he plays, then I think this is super high scoring. I would take Arkansas on the points. I'll pick Mississippi State to win, but I think it'd be a, it's going to be a super fun game to watch. I don't think either team can stop the other one if KJ Jefferson plays. If they if he does not play, the reason the number has gone from seven to eight to nine and a half is because if people are expecting KJ Jefferson to be out or not a hundred percent, then this is this is a really good Mississippi State team, guys. I've been I feel like I've been trying to tell people for months that this is a really good team. Um, of course, now that I've said that out loud again, I'll, I'll probably be made to look like a fool, which happens routinely. I like Mississippi State. Um, either way, I'll, I'll take them to win. The only difference is if KJ plays, it's very close, very fun, high scoring, and Arkansas covers. If he doesn't, uh, not as fun, not as high scoring, Mississippi State covers. I look at Mississippi State. You know I'm a leech guy. Year three, everything's primed, but they have the LSU loss, and that was a Bad loss. They jumped up, what, 13-0, dominating the game. They come from ahead to lose by double digits, you know, two scores. That was a bad loss. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. On the, I mean, on the road against a team that could be an eight-win team, I don't, I don't call it a bad loss. When you now, get up 13-0 and blow a two-score lead? Is it a missed opportunity? Yes. I, I don't traffic in, in, like, hyperbole when it comes to football. 
I, you know, every, everyone on, and I know you don't do this, so I'm not talking about you, but everything on Twitter and on radio has to be the greatest or the worst possible thing ever that we've ever seen. And I don't think it's a bad loss. I think it's an, a missed opportunity. If, if LSU ends up going five and seven, then, and they lose six games down the stretch, then yeah, it's a really bad loss. You missed an opportunity and it's a bad loss. But if they're an eight win team and you, you lose on the road in week two or three or whatever it was, and you end up having a eight or nine win season. I, I just, you know, I think LSU is pretty solid, so I don't, I don't think it's a bad loss yet. I think it's a missed opportunity. But let's be honest, Mississippi State, like Texas A&M, like like a lot of teams in college football, they tend to do weird things all, all the time. And Mississippi State does Mississippi State things all the time, and they'll probably do it once more this year. And that'll cost them their ten win season, and they'll end up being you know eight and four, nine and three, and pretty good. But we'll look back and say, man, why did they lose that Memphis game? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that that's what happens with Mississippi State. Braden, before we leave the world of the SEC, why don't you tell everyone what the Fringe Element podcast is? So Fringe Element podcast is everywhere you get your podcast, and on the Full 44 YouTube page, of course. You can watch it or listen to it. It is all SEC football, all the time. We do picks against the spread every single Friday, myself and Stephen Lassen. Aaron and I do a full episode with a guest. This week we had Brody Miller on from The Athletic talking LSU in Tennessee. So you can check that out. We, we, uh, we have coaches on. We have players on. we got uh, all kinds of stuff. So it is all SEC football, all the time. Uh, we, we venture away from the field occasionally during the offseason to talk music and food and culture and all kinds of Southern lifestyle stuff. But basically, we are SEC football 52 weeks a year. Fringe Element, everywhere you get your podcast. That's 440 Sports YouTube page. Or you can get to me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Fringe Element, all SEC, all the time podcast. Everywhere, everywhere you get your podcast. If you love the SEC, you will love Fringe Element. Hey, Brayden, a quick timeout. Come back. I got more games of the upcoming weekend. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Brayden Gull, 440 Sports, ESPN Radio, hanging out with us on the Smoothie King Hotline. Tomorrow's Friday, and it's One Up Friday at Smoothie King. You take your small smoothie, and for a dollar more, it's a medium smoothie. It's One Up Friday. At Smoothie King. Your home for Texas A&M football is Sports Ready Wheel 1150 AM and 93.7 FM. The Zone. The Zone. Tis time to lift up thy cares. Join Bud Light in a toast to the 48th annual Texas Renaissance Festival. <laughs> Open weekends beginning October 8th through November 27th. A land of magic, merriment, chivalry, and romance awaits. Shop artisans and wares from over 400 shops. Enjoy delicious food and libations while reveling with the finest musicians and performers in the realm. The king and queen await your arrival. Get your tickets online now at texrenfest.com. Huzzah! For nearly two decades, TexAgs has been the number one Aggie sports group online, and thanks to that passionate community, we've been able to grow it into so much more. TexAgs is now an industry-leading media company that covers Aggie football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting like nobody else. Our staff of over 30 consistently delivers in-depth analysis, X's and O's, award-winning video content, and the most reliable insider information you can find. So if you love the Ags, come check us out. Become a premium subscriber at texags.com slash subscribe. Hey, Aguiland, Louie Bellina here. T-Mobile in the Zone, 1150 AM and 93.7 FM are teaming up for your chance to win tickets to see the Aggies at Kyle Field, courtesy 
of T-Mobile. Stop by every home game Friday. The T-Mobile on the corner of Texas Avenue and Lincoln and enter for a chance to win tickets to see that Saturday's game. You can also enter to win online at Zone1150.com. All prize eligibility rules online also at Zone1150.com. The Louis Bellina Show presented by B&B Automotive and Superior Auto Service. We're joined again. Brandon Gall, 440 Sports, ESPN Radio, joins us on the Smoothie King Hotline because he lives in Nashville. Sure, maybe he'd love Brian College Station, but he's not here, so he has to join us on the Smoothie King Hotline. Braden, games of the upcoming weekend, who to thunk it? TCU, Kansas, battle of top 20 teams, ESPN College game day, rock'em, chalk'em, Jayhawk'em. I, listen, I have no idea what to expect from the game itself. I love the fact that we have two offensive, you, you know, groups of coaches and players that are just so much fun to watch. Pre-snap, funky as heck. Post-snap, funky as heck. Two really good quarterbacks playing in complete control of the offense and Jalen Daniels and Max Duggan. You got two coaches that, again, Sonny Dyke's been there for one year, Lance Leipold for two, and now, of course, they're at the epicenter of college football. So I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a lot of points. I would bet on Kansas. I've made a lot of money on Kansas so far this this year. I've been riding them. They get they're getting seven at home. Game days there. I would not mess with that emotion. TCU is much better than people think, but I, I would take Kansas plus the seven. Maybe TCU outright just to hedge. But honestly, I have no idea what to expect. And you, I mean, they've they've both been Kansas has been tested more. TCU was more impressive last week. I just this is going to be so much fun. I, I have no real prediction for you other than lots of points, really fun quarterback play, and if you're a nerd who loves offensive sort of schematics, pre- and post-snap, this is your game. Is Max Duggan related to your fringe element co-host? No, that's Aaron Dugan with one G. So So, they're not the same people. No, they're not. Aaron Aaron does not, in fact, at 32 years old, play quarterback for TCU, although Max Duggan has been there for what feels like 32 years. I said related. Red River rivalry. Woo! Alliteration. Texas and OU at the Cotton Bowl. Who cares, but who do you have? Red, Red River hoedown. Um, I've never, like, I've never come into this game. I feel very weird about this. I've never come into this game feeling more confident in a Texas offense. Maybe ever. Since, like, Vince Young. And that's a weird thing to say. Brett Venable's defense has been completely dissected the last two weeks for Oklahoma. They have, and I, like, don't get me wrong. I think Chris Kleiman and Colin Klein and Adrian Martinez are good. I think Max Duggan and Sonny Dykes and 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 that whole group is is really good. Steve Sarkeesian, Quinn Ewers, and Bijan Robinson are better than both of those teams, especially Stark. So I, I I don't know why or how Oklahoma would have any chance of stopping what Texas is going to do and. I can't remember the last time I went into this game thinking that like there's no there's no real reason for Oklahoma to be good on defense in this game and and to get any stops at all. I mean, guys were ten yards open last week, so I don't. It feels weird to be like. I mean, I guess since pre Bob Stoops, where you come into this game and you go, I just think Texas is going to dominate, and I can't remember the last time I said that. Wow. So I think you're taking Texas. Oh yeah, and laying the points. I, like this could get yeah. ugly for Venable's defense. I got two more games for you. We're running out of time. Florida State was not quite back. Now they have to take on NC State in their casa. All right, this this one also no idea what to think, but sort of different than Kansas and TCU. Both teams really good along both lines of scrimmage. Florida State getting healthy along the defensive line with first coming back as their pass rusher. NC State 
coming off that loss, Florida State coming off a loss. Where are they psychologically? This is a really interesting football in the trenches. I'll take NC State, but I think Florida State is much improved. So, honestly, it's kind of an elimination game. The winner has, like, an outside chance to hold on to some hope in the division, so I think it's going to be a lot of energy. But much like the Kansas TCU game, I have no real feel for where this one's going to go, but I have a feel for how it's going to play, and that is low-scoring defense, physicality, which quarterback can make one big play, whereas TCU and Kansas, it feels like quarterback play is going to be all day long. I watched uh, NC State Clemson on the Pat McAfee broadcast. You know what I'm talking about on ESPN2 just to see what it was like. You know what I mean? Because they were trying to do something different. Utah, UCLA, who you got? Everyone keeps down Chip Kelly. Never back Chip Kelly in the (laughs) corner. No, nobody puts Chip Kelly in the corner. It it is a great game, though, because Utah, they'll have USC next week, and if they can win both of these games, they take complete control of their path to the Pac-12 championship and maybe even get back into the playoffs. They, they they have not played anybody really since, since losing to Florida, but they've been totally dominant. I want to see if they've got some weapons on the outside to go with that big physical running game, which, again, honestly, since beating LSU last year in the Rose Bowl, UCLA has been a very physical football team, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson is turning into a player. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.